Hi, thanks for joining us online. We're glad that you've chosen to access this message. It's so encouraging to know that God is using the ministry of Portico Community Church to touch the hearts and lives of people all across the world. If you have a story to share or a prayer request, we would love to hear from you at info at porticocanada.ca. To support our ministry, you can donate online by clicking on the Donate button at the top right of your screen. Once again, we're so glad that you've joined us. It's our prayer that this message from God's Word will deeply impact your life. We are moving on into week three of our, no, I guess it's week four now, of our, of our series called Searching for Jesus, and we've been looking at the statements of Jesus and the kinds of, uh, the kinds of things that he said. If you, you were going to ask him, how would you describe yourself? And uh, Jesus said that I am the light of the world, and he said, uh, what was the first one that we did? Uh, we did... The bread, the bread of life. Of life. That's you. right. We had bread, uh, fresh bread, and and so we're moving on to uh, the, his third major statement that we that we're going to focus on this morning. But before we get there, I need to know who's a cat person and who, who's a cat person. Who's oh oh sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I, was just, I was helping people. Oh okay. He's know, a cat person. Them, no. Who's a dog person? And we uh, so there's this there's this debate: cats versus dogs, right? And so some of you now, I know you're having like marital, marital troubles and cats, we, you can get into some very impassioned arguments when you ask people about, um, are you a cat person and are you a dog person? Now, now I tend to feel, Josh, I saw you raise your hand for a cat person. I was just helping, encouraging sure, people, sure. you know. I tend to feel like we could solve some of the world's hunger problems if we transition cat from pet to food, because uh, they're... <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, see, some people, are, some people are with me. Some people are mortified. But you know that, like, God created all the animals way back when, and we arbitrarily decided some of you are food and some of you are pets, right? I think, like, this could be, like, an experimental animal that we could start transitioning cat from pet to food. That or if you <laughs> die hard cat people, there's always Portico Mississauga for you. Yeah. <laughs> I just, you know what? I had a cat and a dog growing up, but clearly you can tell I'm a dog person. I want to show you a picture of my dog. I want to show you a picture of my dog. My dog's, my dog's name is, is Carlo, and Carlo is just about to turn 13. Oh my gosh, wow. just about to turn 13 years old. We got Carlo from our friends who bred their dog, and we saw they had one litter of puppies, and there was like five of them running around. We were just moving. We thought, we do not want a Jack Russell puppy while we're moving houses. But then they bred their, their dog again next year, and they had more puppies. They had like six puppies, and they said, you've got to take one of these Jack Russells. And we really like the energy that they have and, and, and how much uh, just they're, they're active, they're moving, they're fun, they're playful. They say that pets reflect their owners, and I'm not sure if... If, what do you think? Do I look a little bit like that? Or? You have quite the snout there, Rick. <laughs> so, so we picked, we picked, we had two pet, we had two of these little Jack Russells on um, the first weekend that, that they were able to be like away from their mother and the, our friends were visiting and our neighbors thought I was nuts. They thought, for sure you're going to end up with two puppies now. <laughs> but this one, Carlo, he had this giant nose that endeared him to me. His nose is about two inches long, I think, longer than it should be for, <laughs> for uh, a Jack Russell. And, 
And there was, there was something between him and the other puppy. The, the other puppy would follow Carlo around and run around, but, but Carlo, every time we go, hey, puppy, because he didn't have a name yet, and he would just, his, his head would go like this, and he would come sprinting towards us, and he had, he had this, this energy and this love for life. And, and Josh and I, when we were studying for this message, we came across this article where it was talking about how dogs use both hemispheres of the brain. What, what was it kind of saying? Yeah, so basically... Uh, a, a dog, which tends to respond and react to people who are talking to them, actually understand actually understand what you're saying. It's not just you know intonation or just uh, a, a sense of what you're saying. They actually understand it, like you and I understand. It was quite remarkable. And they had they had hooked up electrodes to brains, and they saw that when you said commands, that they should know there was activity on the left side of the brain, and then when it was just intonation of voice and sound of voice, there was more activity on the right side of the brain. It was dogs are using all kinds of power to know. So clearly, I don't think cats just sit there and glare at you, right? And <laughs> they're looking at how they can have dominance over you, and they're like have a master evil plan going on inside. But dogs know our voices, and they know our commands, and, and that's the very thing that actually endeared Carlo to us. We found out that actually the other pup we had was deaf. And um, that dog ended up going to another home, and it's been wonderful. Don't worry. Everything is fine with the puppy. And they went and <laughs> experienced a wonderful life. But what endeared us to Carlo so much was that when we spoke, he listened, and he responded, and he came, he came running. And in week three, or, or the, the third statement we want to look at in our Searching for Jesus series is, I am the good shepherd. And we're going to talk about hearing God's voice and how we respond to God's voice. And we, so we started with the bread of life and how that bread provides something sustainable and new for us every day. It wasn't meant that we were supposed to get these kind of fill-ins and knowledge dumps of God and then just exist on that. No, we're supposed to exist every day, just like the fresh bread. And last week we talked about the light of the world and how we have a gift that's been given to us to give to other people. And it's nothing that we can create that we can give. But now we're going to look at what Jesus is talking about, about how we're to know his voice. So if you have your Bible, you're going to want to open it to John chapter 10, because we are going to be in John chapter 10 for a while this morning. And we're going to read verses 11 through 18. And I'm, I'm going to read it out of the New Living Translation. So if you're, if you're doing it in your, in your app, you may want to set it over to the New Living Translation. Or if you don't like that version, that's okay. I won't be offended. <laughs> but Jesus wasn't talking about us as dogs, because that is a whole different connotation. He was talking about us as sheep. And I'm going to read verses 11 through 16, actually, as we get started here this morning for our key text. Here's what it says. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd sacrifices his life for the sheep. A hired hand will run when he sees a wolf coming. He will abandon the sheep because they don't belong to him, and he isn't their shepherd. And so the wolf attacks them and scatters the flock. The hired hand runs away because he's only working for the money and doesn't really care about the sheep. I'm the good shepherd. I know my own sheep and they know me, just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father. So I sacrifice my life for the sheep. I have other sheep, too, that are not in this sheepfold. I must bring them in also. They will listen to my voice, and there will be one flock with the shepherd. Now, we understand how dogs function and how our pets function. And yes, I'm going to even admit, cats get, are very wonderful creatures and they, they, sleep, they sleep right with us and they do respond to us. So we, listen, we understand that, but we don't really understand sheep and shepherding because that's not something that's in our world. So as we get into all of our messages, we want to know what's the context that Jesus is talking about when he says, I'm the good shepherd. Yeah. So as Pastor Rick was saying here, 
We've been in this series right now, and in this particular story, it actually picks up where we left off last week. Last week, we were talking about how Jesus was uh, the light of the world. And this happened after the blind man was healed of his blindness, and there were all these Pharisees that were gathered around. You know, the Pharisees were there, as we, as we discover and as we learn, they were there to see, is this really Jesus, the Messiah? Because they saw this as a messianic miracle, that someone could be healed who was born blind, and there was light for this person now. And so all these people are here, and this story that we're into this morning kind of picks up where we left off last week, which is pretty cool. So imagine this context now where all these Pharisees are gathered around, they're listening to Jesus, but it's, it's not so much uh, what's happening in that story in that moment. I feel like we would be better served even just trying to understand a little bit more about what shepherding is all about. Uh, I imagine not too many of us own sheep, uh, have been around it all our lives. And so I thought we would be able to just share a little bit with you. I have you a wool sweater. <laughs> I think that's about as close as we get to sheep. And so I thought, let's, let's try and understand this a little bit better. So not so much a context of what was happening right then, because this really is a continuation of what we heard last week. But let's understand the, the idea of sheep and shepherding, and, and hopefully that will provide some more insight and some more uh, truth uh, to what we're about to discover this morning. So as, uh, at first blush, when you think about sheep and shepherding, I think we've probably got this idea of, of a profession that isn't all that glamorous. You know, these people have to be out in the fields probably for days on end uh, with sheep who are animals, you know, they're probably smelly. Uh, you're probably going to get dirty over time. Probably not the most glamorous thing that we'd probably be involved with. And, and I think even the world thought that as well. You know, back in, in Egypt, for example, at the time of Joseph and when uh, he brought his brothers and his family over to Israel during, or sorry, to Egypt during the famine, uh, Pharaoh gave them this land of Goshen. Now, the key thing about this was Goshen was like at the corner of Egypt. It was far away from everybody. See, even everybody else in the world did not think highly of shepherds. They just want to say, hey, you can have that spot over there. Hopefully the smell won't drift over on this way. That was their idea. That was their thought of shepherding. So in general, or for us and even for other people, they probably don't have this great idea of who they are. But for the people of Israel, shepherding and sheep was such a foundational part of their way of life. It was so important and integral to them. And we see that played out throughout Scripture. Uh, there are so many of the, of the key Bible characters that we hear about who, or, who were so involved with sheep and had flocks. So for example, Abraham, Lot, Jacob, Joseph, David even was a shepherd, and, and when you see one of the psalms that he wrote, uh, Psalm 23, one of the most famous uh, chapters and verses that people uh, would know about, is the Lord is my shepherd. It's all about sheep. And so for them, uh, shepherding and sheep was a way of life. It was something that they understood so intimately. Now, when you look at all of the characters that we've been talking about, so Abraham and Joseph and David, I think the person that uh, the people really looked to as a shepherd, for example, was Moses. Moses, when you see the course of his life and what he did for the people of Israel, over time they actually realized that Moses was their shepherd. You know, the way that he came and he rescued them from Egypt and how he led them out and led them through the wilderness for 40 years and led them to their promised land. This was all about uh, Moses being a shepherd for them. Uh, there are a couple of verses that show this. So Isaiah 63 uh, verse 11 says, Then his people recalled the days of old, the days of Moses and his people, where he, was brought, uh, where he brought them through the sea with the shepherd of his flock. 
Psalm 78 and uh, verse 52 says, He brought the people out like a flock. He led them like sheep through the wilderness. And so the people here of Israel are so used to the idea of, this, uh, of sheep and having a shepherd. And I think it's not too much of a stretch then that they began to see God as their great shepherd as well. Um, in Isaiah chapter 40, verse 11, it says this, He tends his flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in his arms and carries them close to his ark. He gently leads them uh, that are young. Now look at how shepherding is described here and how uh, they liken this to God. He's leading sheep. Lambs are gathered in his arms and carried close to his heart. Uh, gentle leading of the young and safe guidance through difficult places like the wilderness. You see, this shepherd motif is so familiar for the people of Israel that they liken it to God and they think of him as their great shepherd. And with characteristics like that, it's not hard to see that God is the shepherd of Israel, that all along it is God's heart uh, that he would protect them, that he would guide them, and that he would lead them and, and want the very best for them. And I think that's how the people ended up seeing God. And that was him. He was their source of peace. He was their source of guidance, and he was their source of protection. Now that they've likened Moses and even God to being a shepherd, now think about what happens as the story of Israel continues to unfold. They start to turn away. They start to drift away from the love of God. They try to do things their own way, and we begin to see their story unfold in a very unfortunate way where they get exiled to Babylon, and their history is torn apart, their nation is torn apart. All of these bad things are happening, and in the midst of that, there's a change of tone in the prophets, and the prophets are talking about a future hope, and they say things will get better. And look at how often the language that they use is of the sheep and the shepherd. In Jeremiah 23, verse 1, it says, Woe to the shepherds who are destroying and scattering the sheep of my pasture. They're identifying their fate and their circumstances, their difficulties that they're going through because there are people who are misleading, uh, misleading them and guiding them in the wrong way. And Ezekiel 34, verse 12 says, As a shepherd looks after his scattered flock when he is with them, so will I look after my sheep. I will rescue them from all the places where they were scattered on the day of clouds and darkness. So you see here, the Old Testament references like this create an expectation of someone who is going to come and save them. But I want to pick up, you just read Jeremiah 23 mm -hmm. and 1 that talks about this, the shepherds that are coming to, to destroy and scatter. Even uh, Stuart, if you want to throw that, that verse back on there just so we can see, he's talking about a whole different kind of shepherd. And now, if you haven't been with us the last couple of weeks, I just want to bring you up to speed. We've just seen Jesus perform a miracle that fed 5,000 people, and, it, and he hearkened it back to the days of Moses where God provided the bread. And then they saw where they could buy bread. They heard about how God provided the bread, and he said, guys, I'm the bread of life. Don't look at these things. And then, and then he was in the temple with the eight menorahs burning, and they were brighter than the sun. And he goes, huh, you think that's bright? I'm the light of the world. Don't look at Moses' temple. Look at me. So he's setting himself up for this kind of fight that's going on. And then he goes, mm -hmm. and he points to shepherds around and saying, woe to the shit. Or he's, he's starting to pick up on the, uh, on the teaching and the line of thought about there are shepherds that are coming that could lead you astray. Yes. I'm going to lead you to a new place. And it's interesting that he calls himself the good shepherd because yep. he definitely wants to make a break between what they understood as shepherds as to what they would look to him as as a different kind of shepherd so what did he exactly mean when he said mm -hmm. i'm the good shepherd yeah 
So when, and Rick, what you were just saying too, you know, we've been looking over the last few weeks about different ideas and, and ways of perceiving God or, or perceiving Jesus. He was the bread of life. He was the light of the world. And these were all uh, pieces of language that were used in the Old Testament. And Jesus was trying to show how he was fulfilling that. So throughout scripture where it talks about this great shepherd, this good shepherd, Jesus wanted to show the people that he was the one who was going to fulfill that. So if Jesus was going to prove his identity, if Jesus was going to say, this is who I am, I am the son of God, I am the good shepherd, then he was going to say things and show them tangible things that would prove that, yes, I am good and I am the good shepherd. Now remember, the, the shepherd motif is integral to Israel, and we talked earlier about how highly they regarded Moses. So imagine this scene playing out. So in, in synagogues, let's set the context here a bit. In every synagogue, there was a seat that was built, and it was called the Seat of Moses. And it was regarded as this uh, place of honor. And it was understood that because Moses was the great teacher and the great shepherd, uh, it was symbolic of the person that whoever would sit there was expected to be a teacher. And we actually read about it in Matthew 23. Uh, Jesus admonished uh, the Pharisees and the re religious leaders. He told them, you know, you, have, you sit in the Seat of Moses, and you try and teach from there. Because the idea was when you went to synagogue, uh, you would hear teachings from the scroll. So anyone who sat there was understood and identified as a leader and as a teacher. So there's a scene that plays out in Luke chapter 4, actually, where uh, Jesus is going in. He opens up one of the scrolls of Isaiah and reads a prophecy. And then he sits down, and everyone looks at him, at him intently. So it's kind of an odd scene because it doesn't show that there's too much detail in there. But this is what is actually happening. This is what we were talking about in, in sermon prep. That when he sat down and everyone looks at him, if I sit down, no one's going to really look at me. There was something different about what he had done. Jesus actually sat down in the seat of Moses. So imagine what that meant to the people when they, like, here's this guy that they know of as this carpenter, this, you know, from Nazareth, this nothing place. And all of a sudden, here he is sitting in the seat of Moses. Part of what he was doing was saying, I am in the same authority of, as Moses. If you regard Moses so highly, if you see Moses as your shepherd, I am now taking that place. I am in a place of authority where I can teach you and I can shepherd you. Now, this would have blown the people away that he would make such an audacious and a grand statement, but that's what he was doing. Uh, when he sits down in that seat of Moses, he's elevating himself. So he's starting to set up this idea that he is fulfilling this, uh, this image of being a shepherd to the people. And now he's going to fulfill... Uh, the prophecies that are talking about uh, a shepherd. So in Micah chapter 5, verse 4, it says, He will stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord and the majesty of the name of the Lord his God. And what we just read earlier, uh, Ezekiel uh, 34, verse 12, As a shepherd looks after his scattered flock when he is with them, so will I look after my sheep. I will rescue them from the places where they are scattered. All of these things that uh, Jesus was trying to do was to show, I am that shepherd. I'm fulfilling all of that shepherd motif that you see being prophesied about, and I'm the fulfillment of that. Now, when you look at our key passages that we were looking at, so not only is he setting himself in the image of a shepherd, but now he's going to talk about how he is like a good shepherd. And in that passage in John chapter 10, there are three things that we pick up on, three characteristics of what a good shepherd should do. Well, first one is this. He lays down his life. A good shepherd would lay his life down for the sheep. Uh, and we find this in our passage in verse 11. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. And, and it continues in verse 15. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father, and I lay my life down for the sheep. 
So Jesus was saying, this is what I'm going to do for you. This is who I am to you. See, a, a shepherd is willing to die for his sheep. This is his livelihood. This is what he cares about most. And so he will do anything to save and to protect them, to guard them and to guide them. You know, when sheep are out in the pasture, uh, a shepherd will make a, a makeshift pen. You know, when they're back in town, they have, you know, a proper fence and all that stuff. They're, they're nice and safe. But a, a shepherd may spend days out in the fields, and they're not going to come back every day because they keep going further out to greener pastures. So at some point, they will stay out in the fields. Now, there is no permanent fence there. So what a shepherd will do is actually take brush and create a makeshift uh, fence around. Now, in order for that to happen, though, at some point, you need a way for the sheep to come in and out. Now, you don't have, again, a proper permanent structure of a gate to open in and out. So what a shepherd will do is leave a small opening, and once all the, gate, uh, once all the sheep are in, the shepherd will literally lay himself down across the opening, and he becomes the gate. I mean, how awesome is that? He's literally laying himself down in order to be that gate. Yeah, for him, yeah. When, when Carlo was eight years old, <laughs> he was having a little trouble peeing. <laughs> and we said, well, we have to, we were, we were definitely the best pet owners. We had him to the vet like once every two or three years. We made sure <laughs> that he had regular checkups. And so he, <laughs> we took him to the vet and they said, your dog has bladder stones, and they're a little jagged. And if you don't get surgery today, he may die because he can't pee, and so it's going to back up. And if he tries to pass it, it'll rip. It'll rip all what's oh going my. on inside. And this is, this is a Friday morning. I just dropped Hope off to school. I said, man, I'm going to take Carlo in. And, um, and th so they said, so we can get him into surgery this afternoon. It's $2,000 for the surgery and then like $1,000 for the meds afterwards. So we'll get it, we'll get it set up for 1 o'clock. You have three thousand dollars laying around, <laughs> and and so and so I said, well, I'm going to need to call my wife, and then the judgment came from the veterinarians. Let me tell you, they, they're staring. <laughs> You're going to even discuss this and consider it. Like, <laughs> so I had to think. I had to think, Carla, how much do I love you, and how much <laughs> how much how much sacrifice am I willing to invest to protect your life for a, a small number of years? How much hatred am I willing to endure from the vets? I just Hope had just made, just make sure Carlo's fixed when I get home, Daddy. <laughs> so Amanda was in a meeting. Hope was gone to school, and I had to make that three thousand dollar decision. And so we did. We we he's still with us. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we tell him every now he drinks cranberry juice to make sure he breaks that up. And it's called Cranimal. It's a product. <laughs> but after after he had the surgery that night. Um, it, so he's in, his, he's in his little doggy cone and he's got his little bandages up and, and he had to pee every couple hours and he's bleeding and I, and I so we couldn't have him anywhere that was carpet anywhere soft so that night I slept on the floor beside Carlo on the kitchen floor with his, li his little sucky face looking at me what have you done to me and why, <laughs> and why have you done that but what I'm willing to do that much goes certain far for a dog that will, he'll live for another five years or so, but because he's endeared himself so much to us. And there's this beautiful picture in scripture about Jesus saying, listen, I'm, I'm the good shepherd. You, you protect your sheep, which is your livelihood. I'm about to lay down my life for each one of you who yeah. are my sheep. What a beautiful picture Jesus is trying to teach us about how he cares for us. Yeah. And, and even one of my favorite passages in scripture or chapters is Luke 15. Because there are three parables there that Jesus uh, uses to express how much he loves us. It's the parables of the lost sheep, 
the lost coin and the lost son, or as some of us know it, the prodigal son. And in that, uh, the story of the lost sheep, there's a shepherd who has 100 sheep, one of them is lost, what does the shepherd do? He leaves the 99 in a safe place and goes out and searches for that lost one. I mean, what a beautiful picture that a, a shepherd would do anything to make sure that his entire flock is there with him and that he wants to protect him. Um, John 15, 13 says, Greater love has no one than this, than one uh, lays down one's life for that friend. Or Isaiah 53, 6, We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way. So we've made the mistake, but what does Jesus do? And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Because of our mistakes, because of the way that we have uh, moved away from God, God loves us so much that he would send his son to die for us, and he lays that iniquity, that sin, a punishment upon us. So what does that mean for us? Well, think about someone you love. You know, think about Carlo. Think about a family member. Think about a loved one or a friend. You know, what would you do to save them? How much do you love them? What, how far would your love uh, reach out into their life? Well, think of that in the way that Jesus loves us as a shepherd. So the first one we talked about was laying your life down. The second one is uh, that he's not a hired hand. In verse 12, it says, The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks and, uh, the flock and scatters it. See, a hired hand here was referencing the religious leaders. Now remember, going back to the context of our story, Jesus was surrounded by the religious leaders and the Pharisees because they'd just seen him healing the man born blind. So he was just speaking. He, Jesus was not being shy. He was saying, this is you. You are the one who are the hired hand. You are the one that is scattering my flock. You have no regard for them. You only care about yourselves. And he contrasted himself against the shepherds um, uh, that these leaders were in their failings. Remember, Jeremiah 23.1, Woe to the shepherds who are destroying and scattering the sheep of my pasture. See, the religious leaders had created this toxic and unbearable environment with all their rules and their attitude uh, of, of superiority. They had no desire to serve. They had no desire to assist or even protect their sheep, their people. Yet, by contrast, Jesus was saying that he would never act like a hired hand. He was going to be the one uh, that would do this for them, that would pour out his life and, and save them. So what does that mean for us? Well, think about it. In life, we need to be reminded that God will never leave you or forsake you. He's not going to act like a hired hand that's going to run at the first sign of trouble. When you're in the midst of your deepest times, when you're in the midst of your difficulty, God is there right with you. I know it may not always seem like it, but he is, and he's protecting you. He's guiding you. He's leading you. So we've talked about how he'll lay his life down, how um, he's not a hired hand, and then finally, a shepherd will say to a sheep, he, they, the, the sheep know me and they know my voice. It's a beautiful picture when you think about it. Um, in verse 14, it says, I'm the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me or they know my voice. You know, from the time a lamb is born, a, a shepherd will always be around that, that little sheep. And over time, that sheep will learn the voice of its master so that it will call out uh, in, it, it will call out, and then that sheep will, will understand and know its voice uh, compared to anybody else. 
uh, in your growth groups this coming week, uh, Pastor Jeff is actually speaking out in, in, in Mississauga. He's coming back and joining us, uh, speaking out in this Sunday morning. And he joined me in the video for, this, uh, for their study guide. And he's going to share a neat story about this little boy who has only eight sheep and what happens when he calls out to a sheep there. So it's a really cool thing. I want to let you know about that. So when you get into your study guides this week, we're going to be diving deeper into this understanding and this uh, concept of knowing the voice of our shepherd. Now, in our context, what is that like? Well, think of, of a baby. From the moment a baby is born, as parents, they will raise that child. And the more that they speak to that child, they will raise that child up and, and that child will understand, know who that voice is. You know, uh, there's a, a story. I didn't want to show the video because it would take too long. But um, there's a comedian, Michael Jr., and what he does is, uh, his new daughter is born, and what he does is the baby is crying and crying, and all he does is he starts to speak. He says, hey, I'm here, I'm here. And immediately the baby's voice quiets down. And now a few minutes later, uh, they're continuing more tests. They put the diaper on the baby and everything. Again, she starts to cry. And immediately he says, hey, I'm here, I'm here. I love you. And immediately the baby's eyes open. Even from the point that the baby was born, that baby knows the voice of its father. I think all of us, in some form or fashion, whether we have kids or not, we know loved ones, we know little ones, that the more we are with them, they will know our voice. They recognize us. You know, if it's not our voice, when they see our face, every time I come home uh, from work, uh, Hannah will hear the door opening, and she'll scoot around the corner, and she goes, oh, like this, and she goes running. It's the cutest thing. I love it. Because she knows when I'm coming home. Because when I open the door, she, they'll pique her interest. But I'll say, hello, Hannah. And then she comes running. She knows my voice. It's exactly what God is doing here with being the good shepherd. Because as a shepherd who knows his sheep, if we are his sheep, the more time we are willing to spend with him, we will get to know that voice. Now, how does God speak? Well, it could be an audible voice. It could be prophets, it could be scripture, it could be the guidance of the Holy Spirit, even through prayer. There's so many ways that God wants to speak to you. Uh, I'll give you an example. Uh, there was one time where I actually heard the audible voice of God. Now, hearing the voice of God doesn't make you a better Christian than anyone. Just for whatever reason, God chose to speak to me that day, and, and I know it was God because I can't describe it. It, wasn't, it didn't sound like a man, it didn't sound like a woman, it was just a very clear voice. And it was speaking to a situation I was praying about at that moment. I heard Psalm, and I heard the verses, and then I heard the chapter, and it spoke exactly to what I was, uh, was needing at the time. Um, Ruby and I have been praying about a lot of different things in our life, and maybe you've experienced this too, where a prophet will come and speak truth into your life, and we've tested those, uh, what the prophets have said, and we've trusted and believed that this is the right thing for us. Um, the guidance of the Holy Spirit. You know, when you look at how God is leading your life, he's probably usually not going to throw something out of left field into your life. But when you look at how God leads you over time, the things that he's teaching you, uh, how people are encouraging you, you get a sense of where God wants you to go, and you understand that God is speaking uh, through that. We have, we have two points, uh, or two goals for this entire series when we get to every message. The first one is this. We want to understand who Jesus is more, and that's why we're looking through. What did he mean when he said, I'm, I'm the bread, I'm the light, I'm the shepherd? And so the first half of the message we sit through, or the, first, the, the bulk of the message, we're really studying why he said it, what it meant to the people that heard it, and, and just to get a better understanding of the Bible. And that's a great focus for our Sunday mornings. The second focus we have every time is, what does it really mean for us today, 
now because we want to figure out how, to, how can I work out my faith? How can I understand God more? In light of what I've known, how do I go and I live differently? Mm-hmm. And I've had many conversations with people, just like you said. They said, I, I think I've heard God's voice, or I have no idea how to hear God's voice. It's something that is discussed in church and discussed with Christians. I'm thinking I'm hearing God saying something. But many of us would struggle to say, I don't know if that's actually God or if mm-hmm. that's just my thought. I don't know if I can hear God. I don't even know if God actually does still speak. Because when we see it in a movie, it's a British guy, or it's like it, it's it's a big booming voice, or like we've when we've looked at it in the past, it's what's his name from um, oh, Morgan Freeman. Morgan Freeman, yeah. yeah, he's always God, right? He's in <laughs> in movies because he's got that voice, and we think that's how God's going to speak. But I bet if we went out of the room around the room, we would have a lot of people here that say, "I'm trying to be one of these sheep." that Jesus laid down his life for. But if he says, I'm the good shepherd and my sheep will know my voice, I don't really know what it means to hear God's voice. So so this morning, we're going to take some time when we get to the end to actually practice this. But Josh, out of this message, what does it mean when he says, my sheep will know my voice? Mm-hmm. You know, in verse 27, it says, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. You know, when a baby hears your voice for the first time, Eventually, that child learns what that person, uh, that parent's voice sounds like. In, in Isaiah 30, verse 21, there's a very beautiful passage here. It says, whether you turn to the right or to the left, your ears will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. Uh, Pastor Joe was, when we were preparing the sermon, uh, was telling us about any time when he had a chance to go to Israel and he was given an opportunity to shepherd sheep. He said, here, you try and lead them. He actually quickly learned that you don't go in front of sheep and say, hey, 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 and try and make noise and lead them and try and make them follow you. You actually stand behind the sheep and you use a staff to hit rocks or uh, things that are on either side and they will listen to the sound and they will go that way. So oftentimes when you think of a leader, you think of someone who goes behind, or goes ahead of you, and I get that, that's, that's definitely there. But look at what this verse said. It says, you will hear a voice from behind you that says, this is the way, walk in it. I know sometimes it may feel like God is not there. You're wondering, why am I in this difficult place? Or where is God taking me? And oftentimes we're looking for God and we think he's not there. But maybe God is behind you and making sure that the way is true because when he's behind you, he sees the whole picture and he knows where to take you. And he's nudging you along with those little knocks to say, go this way, go that way. And he leads us and he directs us. So how do we improve this? You know, maybe you, as Pastor Rick, as you said, maybe we are having a difficulty understanding God's voice in our life. I'm trying to listen. I don't know what to do. Here's some practical ways that we can make that happen. Maybe it's just spending more time with God. You know, if you take an honest assessment of your relationship with God, would you say that you're spending regular time with Him in Scripture? Are you giving Him an opportunity to speak? When you pray, is it just your voice going out? Because prayer is a two-way conversation. And I don't know how many friendships last all that long if I do all the talking. Some marriages, right? Yes, right? (laughs) Yeah, it can absolutely feel like that. We have a hard time sometimes just sitting and listening. When we stop to pray, if we want to hear God's voice, boy, we got to stop talking sometimes and just sit in a quiet moment. Remember, we did that back in November when we had our worship series, and we said, can we just breathe? Mm -hmm. Sometimes one of the most powerful moments of prayer and hearing God's voice just requires getting away from 
everything else that's noise mm -hmm. and just listening. Yeah, and that's what we want to do right now. Pastor Heather's going to lead us in a, a quiet time right now. We're actually going to even just sit in silence for a minute, and then she's going to start up again and, and play off uh, quietly for another minute, and then finally we're going to respond with a song. This is going to be your opportunity just to take time to listen to the voice of God. And I know it's going to feel hectic. All of a sudden, these voices, these things are going to flush or crowd into your mind. Just allow your mind to quiet and hear the voice of God. And we're going to pray. And here's what, here's what we're going to pray. We know that the Bible is very clear. When two or three people get together, God's presence is there. And God says that he speaks. So if you take a moment and just reflect, whether you're reading a verse out of the Bible, whether it's just something that's in your head, we're going to trust that this is God's voice. Whether it's just a feeling, whether it's just a word, we're going to trust and believe that this is God going to speak to us because we're in a place where God's spirit is here and has total authority. So we're not going we're, we're to worry that is someone else lying to us in this moment. We're going to focus on God's voice. I'm going to pray. And then Heather, just lead us into some reflection and some quiet and then some response. And even as Heather sings it, she's going to sing a song more that it'll be a song over us rather than a song for us to sing because we don't really know it. But it's still just some time for you to listen to the voice of God and let him shepherd you over these next few moments. Lord, thank you that you are here. And thank you that you speak. And God, I pray for our doubts right now, our doubts that we aren't going to be able to hear you, or doubts that we've never heard you, or doubts that um, it's hard and we can't really be sure. In the name of Jesus, I pray for boldness and trust that you came to earth so that we could see a physical representation of who you are, and we could experience what it looks like when God talks to us. But Lord, you said, I, I need to go so that the Holy Spirit could come and speak in the same way. So Holy Spirit, I pray each one of us would hear something from you this morning as we practice being sheep and allow you to be the shepherd. And just as we close, I want to encourage us as, as a church. And as a church is what I mean. If you're visiting with us, you're in the church. You're here. <laughs> but I want to encourage us as people who are looking and interested in, in hearing God. The reason why Jesus said he had to go and send the Holy Spirit was because in the Old Testament, they had to go to the temple and they would hear, God's, they would hear God very specifically through a prophet or through the reading of the scroll. When Jesus came in this transitional phase, they, they spoke with God face to face and he began to give the Holy Spirit. And it, it, used to, it, it would come on some of his followers and for a, a specific period of time for a specific reason. And then he said, I'm going to go. And I'm going to send you the comforter. The Holy Spirit will be your guide. He's, he's, your, he's your peace. And so when any one of us decides to sit down and listen for God's voice, there is no right way. There is no formula you have to follow. If you sit down where, for some people, they want to be quiet and alone in nature. For other people, they want a lot of worship music going on. For other people, hey, I've got to be in a group discussing. For a lot of people, they've got to be somewhere where they're being taught, and that's when they hear God's voice. For some people, they have to be talking about it themselves. It, it doesn't matter. God speaks to you so individually. That's why he left, so that each of us could hear God's voice. So what's the practical takeaway and the encouragement this week is find a way, find a place, find a time, set it aside. It's so, 
if God wants to speak to us and if this journey of searching for Jesus is so important, make the space to find God and connect with him the way that you need to. And then trust that he's going to speak however that is. And, and we're, not, we're, not here to put <laughs> we're not here to put boundaries and formula. There are lots of great ways, and that's why we're doing 40 days of prayer. That's why we have response time. That's why we have teaching. But, but if you're honestly seeking for God's voice, we're going to trust that God is, is going to speak. So I want to pray a blessing over us as we go. And then please stop by, enjoy a coffee and a cookie or a cup of tea. And uh, if you have any questions, you can always you can email us. You can fill out a, a connect card and leave it at the information center. If you want to have a follow-up conversation about this, we would love, one of us would love to meet with you. One of our staff, one of our leaders would. We have small groups that meet all throughout the community. There's seven different small groups, and Leslie, just give a, give a wave. Leslie can help you connect with, with a group that the group is going to get together this week and say, how do you hear God's voice? What did that mean for you? They're going to study it a little bit more. So if you want to connect with a group, talk with Leslie. If you want to have a follow-up conversation, send us an email, give us a connect card. But Let's commit to hearing God's voice this week as we go about our ways and our days. Lord, thank you for this message this morning that we've um, we faced head on as a church. And we admit that sometimes we try and follow you without ever hearing your voice. That we try and we try and do our best to honor you and, and find you, and we never stop to take into account the very reason why you came and died and then left was so that we could have this kind of closeness. And Lord, forgive us when it's all about us and less about listening to you and your spirit. And God, no matter what part of the journey we're on, if this is somebody's first time ever considering that you're going to speak to them personally, I pray this week, God, be so faithful to speak. Pick up on what you started this morning. And if something we've been practicing a long time, Jesus, I pray that it would never become stale and it never become routine listening for your voice. But it would be fresh bread every, every day. It would be the light that guides us, the light that's within us that we share with other people. That as you shepherd us this week, we, would, we wouldn't have to worry about what our next steps are and where to go and what to do and how to think and how to feel because we would be listening for you and your voice, Jesus. Thank you for a great morning. We ask this all in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. God bless.